0: Hello, I'm Pommy Harmer and you're listening to the first podcast of Follow the Sun. In the studio with me today is Marion Mente who wrote the book which presents the Zodiac as a story and I'm going to be talking to Marion about why she wrote it and ask her to explain her thinking behind the scenarios. So welcome Marion. tell us all what motivated you to write about the signs in this way?
1: well that's a little tale in itself actually although I've embellished this work over the years uh, I did put down the first draft of the story as long ago as 1976 I was living in London at the time studying astrology at the faculty in Kensington And I remember strolling home one evening after a a very uplifting talk about characteristics, which left me thinking, what a shame. It is that a good deal of the law, that's L-O-R-E, of astrology wasn't more commonplace as it had been during centuries before. And I wondered how this could be addressed since the majority of people weren't about to become students of astrology, you know. So anyway, as I was pondering the problem, in my mind's eye came the picture of a ram jumping over a fence into the field of the bull, <laughs> Aries into Taurus. And the inspiration for a story was born, because I felt most people prefer a story about a subject as opposed to a study of it, you know, like... Um, historical novels for instance.
0: Yes it can be it could be much easier to pick up information that way can't it?
1: I think so it's more easily absorbed. Um, So then I dashed home and, and wrote this unconventional presentation of the zodiac with the purpose of unveiling some of the mystery of astrology in a simplistic style to the greater number of people who had little knowledge of it and though mildly curious were not intent on making a study of the art. So of course I do realise that since 1976, um, technology has advanced a great deal and with the advent of the internet, much of astrology's mystery and the meanings of signs, planets and their aspects is far more widespread and accessible today. However, I think it's true to say that while you can easily access as much astro-information as you like to research nowadays, the signs are still presented as separate entities – And the main thing I endeavoured to do when first I wrote this was to show how one evolves from the other, the continuum of the zodiac, like the seasons of the year. So I still feel that this work has something to offer. And also, I think, presenting the archetypes in a story, which has not so far been done, creates pictures of each, because the narrative is very rich in imagery, and it brings them to life and gives a nuance about the characters that can enhance uh, one's understanding of the symbols and what they represent you know it fuels your own imagination and thus interpretation of the language
0: you're absolutely right about the focus being on the sun sign i mean that's still the case isn't it even if you look at the internet, you'll see something about what you are as your sun sign and maybe how you relate to another sun sign. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing you saying is that although we might concentrate on the sun sign aspect of our personality, there are other elements that come into play that are also really significant.
1: Exactly, because we're born under the whole scheme. You're not just, you know, you're part of the whole scheme. I mean, to give a bit of history to astrology, when the ancient Greeks divined the map of the sky, they named it Zodiacus Kouklos. Meaning circle of animals and I, I think that you know its symbolism has become universally recognized as a language which relates the common links in uh, human behavior to the qualities of the elements. You know, connecting us to the natural world and the greater universe we exist in, because it is a fact we do we are part of one hundred billion planets or more in the Milky Way. Not a bad, know. not a bad thing to remember that yeah. in these times. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know,
1: remember as a child you used to write your street number and then it would be the town and then the yes. county, then the country, I did that. then the world, and then the universe. Yes, I mean, we all did that. So um, you know, but and and I think the language of astrology does link us up to the universe, and it might only be a very primitive language at the moment but it does link us to to the outer the universe and um, I think that uh, when it comes to those sort of things I'll just say a little bit about the energies there just to tickle your imagination is that fire is seen as energy you know drive and consuming passion water is reflection feeling memory Earth is physical, it's fertile and, and sensual, an air symbolic of consciousness of ideas born on the breath of communication. And we are each a unique combination of the elements and qualities of the 12 archetypes. and uh, their emphasis is determined by the positions of the planets at the time of our birth. Now you say about sun signs, and that's because the sun, it's, it's the Earth's life force, and so it, obviously it bears the greatest emphasis. And the sign it falls in is usually our sort of at heart selves. Um, The moon, the moon moves through all twelve signs each month, and it's deemed to represent our 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 needs, not desires, and our instinctive responses to our environment. And the Romans, actually, you know, they took more the moon sign as to be more indicative of a man's characteristics because it moved more quickly than the sun. They take it in conjunction. Yeah. And because the earth turns within the whole zodiac circle each 24 hours, the sign rising over the eastern horizon at the hour of our birth, no matter where we are, you know, the one to the east, that's our ascendant. And that symbolizes our approach to life, the way in which we present ourselves to the world
0: so what you're saying then is given that we have a sun sign and moon sign and an ascendant there's going to be at least three signs that three signs that impact on our personality
1: well yeah they're not always in different signs but of course the other planets are placed so other elements will come into you might be born under a fire sign but you might be strongly water or strongly earth or something like that and some people are missing an element that's another thing but we won't you know if you want to know about that pick up a manual and study astrology you know you're getting too deep then but it's um, but yes you're a combination of all no no one is wholly represented by one sign alone However, with this work, my aim in presenting the energies in an abstract way was so that people familiarise themselves with all of them. It's not just about Aries. It, I've used Aries only as a catalyst, as the first sign, but it's about every it's about every sign and the part they play in the zodiac continuum. Okay, and we're going to
0: find out as the podcast series goes on. We're going to find out a lot more about this. Um, but here we are at the first chapter. Of the book. This is Aries because, of course, Aries is the first sign of the zodiac and its symbol is a ram. So tell us about the characteristics of Aries and why you've begun with the ram being trapped in a crater
1: and with no memory. Well, I will start with the characteristics before setting the scene. And as you say, Aries is the first sign, and it starts at the vernal equinox, spring. It, it's a domain of the planet Mars, and, and that planet's are traditionally associated with physical action, whether it's joyful or warlike. And at the element of Aries is fire. Its energy is yang. And <clears throat> being the first sign... It begins sort of mid-March to mid-April, it's the starting point, it's cardinal and duly associated with early spring, you know, like the budding of new life. It's the position of first, the direction of east. Also with physically with the head, the face, the eyes and, and the cerebrum. And when this energy is expressed positively, it's very assertive, it's pioneering, adventurous and enterprising, it's optimistic and it's courageous. And when it's expressed negatively, it's egotistical, stormy, selfish, reckless, and it can be aggressive, usually is aggressive. And as with all signs, the listener will hear how I reference their traditional characteristics in the narrative. So Aries energy is, shall we say, symbolic of spring with its budding of new life. And it could be likened to that of a spring bulb striving to break through the earth and reach the sun. And that's its sole focus. And, and Aries, the sign of Aries describes that kind of focus. It, it's necessarily a, a selfish, headstrong energy concerned only with achieving its goal. And to describe these traits, I thought um, its symbol of the ram being trapped in a crater would create the simplest picture. Because um, when we arrive on planet Earth, we have no idea about anything at all. We're a blank page. And what better way to represent that together with the Aries energy is than to find the ram in an alien place or have the ram finding himself in an alien place with no memory of anything except his his name and his urge to push onwards, to go forward. The different environments actually with the various symbols and how Aries encounters each one, they give clues to the expressions of that sign as well. Uh, And in this chapter, for instance, while the stormy element of the Aries nature is shown, there's also mention of the things he's forgotten, like the heaths and glens and playful breezes of his natural climate. Uh, And just one thing before we embark on the story, I'd like to say about the story itself is that while I've written in a simplistic way to best capture an image or an impression, paint a picture of the 12 archetypes, much like life itself, where our early years and childhood start fairly uncomplicated, as is, and that's sort of reflected in the first few chapters. As the ram grows through his experiences in the same way as in life we mature, so does the plot of the story deepen and become more intriguing and interesting as a tale in itself With or without the astrological references. And I have to say that that process was as much a surprise to me as the author, as I hope it will be entertaining for the listener.
0: Okay, now we're going to hear Marion reading the first chapter.
1: The quest begins. Stormy weather was disrupting the realm of Aries. Gone was its natural climate of bright sunny days and playful breezes. Fierce tempests ravaged the land, swelling the tides of the naturally choppy seas into roaring breakers which thrashed the rocky shoreline. And when gales weren't howling, sea fog stole inland on icy breath, bringing an air of desolation, greying the hues of heather and broom that cloaked the rugged landscape. Lying at the eastern point of Zodiac, the Aries realm rules the headland. Its inland boundaries are shielded by mountainous hills, which keep the domain insular apart from the lands beyond, whilst its terrain of rolling heaths and glens forge a ranging landscape of varied contours and moods. Blustery weather is not unusual in the Aries realm. Squalls suddenly erupt, but as a rule these quickly clear, restoring the swathes of wild blooms to their natural beauty. This prolonged spell of harsh weather was uncharacteristic and no ordinary event. All was ominous of change. And it was in these challenging conditions the ram's quest was born. The ram is the sovereign of the Ares realm. He bears its name, and his temperament reflects the bracing climate and rugged landscape of his domain. Young yet full-grown, impressive horns spring from the fringe of curls on his brow, coiling to a fine tip behind each ear. He is strong, with boundless energy, and has but an ounce of flesh to spare. He found himself spread-eagled on the stony floor of a crater. It's the first thing he remembers. This crater was sunk deep, hidden amid the hills which ranged around the inland and which towered over the crater's rim like a jagged crown. Apart from a few scrapes and bruises, he'd been uninjured, but a blow to his head had erased all memories except his name. Since finding himself in this barren place, he'd been exploring ways of getting out. He'd soon come to know every inch of its hollow, every patch of tough, indigestible grass and puddles of metallic-tasting water. Yet still he woke early because he liked the first of everything, the first light, the first run, the first leap over the boulders strewn across the crater's floor. Though he'd become bored with the boulders, found their challenge waning with no competition to spur him. Ares thrived on competition, it was this thirst to be first that gave him a restless pioneering nature, ever seeking a new experience. It was his urge to explore that had first led him to search for better climes, away from the storms that had besieged his realm, had spurred his courageous attempt to conquer the formidable hills that stood between the headland and the unknown. And while he couldn't remember how he'd come to arrive here, he soon came to realise that he wanted to be somewhere else. As dreary days passed, his frustrations increased until he could think of nothing but escape from the oppression of his situation and of his ignorance. He'd tried scaling the lower peaks and ridges around the crater's rim, but their upper reaches had proved too sheer to be challenged, defeating his natural ability in securing tricky footholds. His only hope of escape, if one existed at all, was to conquer the hill towering on the crater's west side. Although it reached above the other peaks, its upper incline was less forbidding, and he felt confident he could accomplish his goal. However, his explorations here had brought him to the edge of a ravine which gaped between the middle ground and the ascent itself. He must leap this before gaining a chance of freedom. But another obstacle to his way forward was the mist which constantly swirled above the ravine, obscuring his view of the rising rock face. He could discern no sure outline of a ledge wide enough to land on and the stark risk of plunging into an abyss had checked his reckless impulses. The same reckless impulses that had cast him into this sorry place. But he'd forgotten that. He had forgotten that he had left his realm or that a realm existed. Forgotten the leafy green glens with tumbling streams that sparkled in golden sunlight Forgotten the vast rolling heaths cloaked in purple heather and bright yellow broom. Forgotten how their merry blossoms danced in the gusts of playful breezes. There were no drenching storms such as he'd suffered and hated now, nor damp, cloying fogs that seeped through his fleece to chill his bones. As for the sun, he'd forgotten its warmth, since its orb was masked by shadows and only a dismal haze illumined the crater's bowl. Nevertheless, despite forgetting all he'd known, upon encountering the ravine, somewhere in the web of his mind a warning bell had chimed, which in turn had sparked an outburst of rebellious anger. I hate it! I hate it all! he flared, kicking furiously at the unyielding hillside, cursing the freezing mist and his foul predicament. Feeling trapped, Frustrated and desperately bored, he would vent his rage by shouting rude remarks at all he could see, bolstering his self-esteem with proclamations of, Me, me, there's only me! But such were soon to be followed with a despondent sigh, as bleak as the cold mist around him. There is only me. It had been an arduous climb to the middle ground, where he'd found shelter in the lee of an overhanging crag jutting below the lip of the ravine. It afforded some protection against the wind and rain while he bided time there, waiting for the mist to shift, hoping to glimpse a secure ledge from which he could begin his ascent. But to what, or to where, he had no clue. Only the absolute conviction that this is what he must do. Time drifted by. Another dismal night descended. The feeble light of a crescent moon barely lifted the dark, casting ghostly shapes on the swirling mist. But snug in the small hollow under the crag, Ares slept soundly. As usual, he woke at the first glimmer of light. Looking briskly about, he'd hoped to sense a change in the air, but the prospect seemed even less promising. Patience was not Ares' strong suit, and thoughts of another day in the wretched half-light now rid him of the virtue entirely. When a loud clap of thunder hailed the onset of a drenching storm, he railed, I refuse to rot here, and made up his mind to leap. He decided that a short, fast sprint would launch him over the ravine to the rock face, and then, come what may... His brave spirit burned to escape, and considering no outcome but the one he desired, he dismissed all thoughts of worse consequences. Action being his focus, his appetite was poor, but needing his strength, he snatched hurried bites of the iron-rich grass sprouting around the crag. Starting towards the ravine, he glanced up at the shrouded summit, then made ready to sprint. Taking a deep breath, he tunnelled his focus and sprang forward. (gasps) Disaster! In that instant, a fierce gust whipped grit into his eyes and blinded, he slipped, toppling down the hillside to the crater floor. Do your worst, he raged. I'll not be stuck in this damned pit. The storm blew harder, but with his vision clearing, he set his horns against the elements and started up the slope. Lightning struck the hilltops with a vengeance as thunder clashed and the skies opened. The going had been tough, and by the time he'd regained the crag, he was exhausted. Panting for breath, he sat to gather himself for a second attempt, but had no sooner settled when he was thrown to his feet. For a moment he was dazed, terrified by what was happening. The hillside groaned and shook violently beneath him then an ear-splitting crack rent the air followed by the crashing of tumbling rocks. He stood, petrified, as he witnessed the ground below being torn asunder in clouds of dust and rubble. Flames and smoke belched up from a deep fissure which was splitting the crater floor in two. The hills opposite were collapsing sinking into a divide being forged beneath them. Filled with horror and panic, he turned to make a dash for the ravine when a flying rock knocked him senseless. When he came to, all was still, silent. The wind had dropped and rain fell softly. Frightened by the earthquake, he shakily raised himself and staggered forward, head aching and sight blurred from the blow. Staring in disbelief at the burning ground, bewildered by the scene of devastation, he stumbled towards the ravine. To his joy, a pile of boulders had tumbled from the tip of the tall peak summit, becoming lodged in the mouth of the crevasse. With mounting excitement, he clambered over this makeshift bridge, but before tackling the ascent, he turned to look again on what remained. Slowly lifting his gaze over the rubble, which had once been the east wall of the crater, he caught a veiled glimpse of grey-green hues and the vague outline of hills in the far distance. Then rising smoke and dust obscured his view, and the vision disappeared. Something haunted him, a thought, a dream, a memory he couldn't quite get hold of. Closing his eyes, he hesitated for the beat of a moment, then resolutely began to climb. In that moment, Ares became to know the essential nature of his spirit. He was driven to push forward, to conquer all that challenged his endeavour and to never, ever look back. Darkening mists fell away as he climbed, and as he neared the top, the rains abated. Reaching his goal, his spirit soared as he gazed on the ribbons of crimson and gold that swayed the western sky. "'I've done it!' he cried. "'I'm free, forever free!' Forgetting the horror of hours before, he bounded across the narrow plateau, eager to see what lay ahead." So high he felt like a king as his gaze swept the meadows, streams and forests stretching out below. But the most breathtaking sight was of the sun setting on the distant horizon and the blaze of colour that crowned its descent. The evening glow traced hints of red in his curly black fleece and standing triumphant, a passion flared within him as fiery as the scarlet orb He must reach that horizon. He must follow the sun. Taking deep breaths of the cool, clear air, the scent of sweet grasses wafting up from the meadow stirred his senses. Feeling famished, his mouth watered as he savoured the rich, earthy essence laced with delicate floral flavours. He felt he knew the scent, but it was a ghost, for there had been no such luxury in the crater. Determined to reach the meadow's edge before night closed in, he found this side of the hills was not as steep as the crater walls and brimming with optimism, he quickly picked his way off the rocky summit onto the soft mossy mounds which tumbled gently in descent. The ground yielded with every stride as he blazed forward, head down to race the sinking sun. Dusk had almost faded when he raised his sights to check his bearings. His heart lurched. Looming ahead was a sprawling hedgerow of briar protecting the meadows boundary the spiked brambles formed a dense high wall which would have deterred any intruder but not Ares. not now once again reckless and eager to meet the challenge he put an extra spurt in his pace and launched himself up and over the briar in a mighty leap Tumbling into clover, he kicked his heels and pranced in a circle, giddy with euphoria as he gorged on the luscious grasses. In his self-absorbed excitement and the dwindling light, he was oblivious to another presence, furiously charging towards him.
0: Marian, reading the first chapter of her book, Follow the Sun, that's got us off to a great start. We've just heard all about Aries the Ram and next week we'll be venturing into the realm of Taurus. So now we're at the point of the podcast where we're going to explore an aspect of astrology in more detail. And this week, Marion, I wanted to ask
1: you about the planets and their impact on us. Well, when people think we're affected, we're not affected. I do have to remind it, it's it's a symbolic language. And um, the signs are symbolically regarded as an expression of energy, whereas the planets that pass through each sign on their cycles are seen as principles of action. And because we've been dealing with Mars, let's take Mars in this instance. Um, it, it, Mars is about physical action, and physicality expresses itself differently in a fire sign than in water, an earth or an air sign. The planet Mercury is the same, just to re- you know, re-establish that. It's the planet of mental action, perception and communication. And again, this principle is expressed differently in an air sign than in a water, an earth or a fire sign and so on. And so, you know, getting back to Mars... In an individual's chart, uh, as shown by sign, house, and aspect, it signifies the quality of courage in that personality, of self reliance, survival instinct. And it also represents our ability to laugh because humour is the antidote to uh, pain and surviving is overcoming pain. And not everyone can sort of boldly pursue their goals with courage and daring. Um, and the principle of Mars. Uh, is expressed differently in the different signs and it galvanises the qualities of the sign it falls in. Broadly speaking, it it fuels leadership in the fire signs, it energises the practical ethic of the earth signs, it sparks the quality of communication and ideas in air signs, and apart from Scorpio, Mars is out of its element in water signs and it can signify an excess of moodiness and discontent. And uh, using the guise of the ram's journey, the narrative describes growth through the signs and how the zodiac evolves and how the ram matures, and gives clues to what Mars energy brings to that sign. In other words, what he leaves behind him after his visit. And uh, as I've mentioned before, Mars is also the ruler. Scorpio.
0: Yes, so it's quite complex, and we're going to unpick some of this as we go on through the podcast. So stay tuned. Thank you, Marion. Thanks, Pommy. You've been listening to Marion Mente reading the first chapter of her work on the zodiac Follow the Sun. Look out for our next podcast where she'll be taking us into the second sign of Taurus. This is a story based on the sequence of the Zodiac, so make sure you don't miss out by subscribing through your favourite podcast provider. Follow the Sun was written by Marion Mente. The podcast was produced and presented by me, Pomi Hama, and this was a Black Pearl production.